Two weeks ago, I spoke about digging ditches, and I want to talk about after the ditches. So the ditches that we talked about were seeking the Lord and being led by the Spirit, uh, believing and act upon the prophetic words, regular reading, study of the Word of God, faithful, persevering prayer. Do you know what comes after 2 Kings chapter 3? Someone got it? The easy answer is always the best one. Chapter 4. After 2 Kings chapter 3 comes 2 Kings chapter 4. And uh, we're going to read that this morning. And starting at verse 1, it says this. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband, who served you, is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked me. Tell me what do you want, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty vessels as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the vessels, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did. And as she was told, her sons kept bringing vessels to her, and she filled one after another. And soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another vessel, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. The Bible tells us that the Old Testament stories are given to us for our instruction and learning. And often what you find happening in the physical in the Old Testament uh, will have a spiritual application in the New Testament. So this widow, uh, she is in debt, and we don't know how she got into debt except for the fact that uh, uh, a few years before her husband had died and obviously had left her with no income, no way of supporting herself and her two sons. And so she what would typically happen is that if you owed somebody money, then that person would have the right to come to you and take whatever was necessary to fulfill the debt that you owed. And in this case, the only thing that the widow had that the creditor would have wanted would have been her sons. And so he would have been knocking on the door and he would have been wanting to enslave her children, the next generation in her home, so that the next generation would actually have to pay off the debts of the previous generation. That's like the spirit of the world, knocking on the door of the church, coming to enslave the next generation. Because the enemy wants to enslave our sons, wants to enslave our daughters, wants to enslave our grandsons, our granddaughters. He wants to cut off their inheritance in God. He wants to convince them that they have no future and no hope. Satan only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And his major target has always been directed at the seed at the next generation. You see this time and time and time again in the Word of God. It was uh, all the children in Moses' day that Pharaoh wanted to kill off. It was the children in Jesus' day that the enemy wanted to destroy. And you see it today that there is an attack on the young people 
uh, not only in our nation, but specifically in Northland. You find that Northland has the highest suicide rate per head of capita, arguably, than anywhere in the world. The only thing stopping the creditor taking this widow's sons, the next generation, was the oil. And the oil in the Bible represents the Holy Spirit. The oil in the Bible represents the anointing of God, the presence of God, the miracle power of God. And the only thing that will stop the next generation from being enslaved is not programs, it's not performance, it's not religion, it's not being brought up in a Christian family. The only thing that will stop the next generation from being enslaved is a personal Holy Spirit-empowered encounter with Jesus Christ. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to free us and keep us free. Amen? I was, uh, we had a meeting a number of um, years ago with a government official who was talking about the statistics of the suicide rates in, uh, in Northland. And she was specifically talking about how churches can apply for government money for programs and things like this. And it was interesting because I had uh, Graham Young, who was the pastor of the Baptist church then. I turned to Graham and I said, okay, with all of these statistics in the last 20 years, uh, you and I have been privileged to have some of the largest youth groups in the city. In those 20 years, I said to Graham, how many young people associated with your youth group have committed suicide? And he said, in the last 20 years, there was one. And I said, well, we, thanks to the grace of God, have not had any. And so the two largest youth groups in the city have had over the last 20 years just one person lose hope. And that told me, and this lady was absolutely shocked, but that tells me that when people come in and get to know the Lord Jesus Christ, when they see the power of the Holy Spirit flowing, that God is real, when they are given a future and a hope, then that changes their life completely. It changes their life completely. When Elijah asked the widow what she had in her house, her first reaction was nothing. 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 Well, nothing except for a flask of oil. She didn't realize that she had the seeds of her miracle in her house, in her hand. She didn't realize the potential of that oil that she had. What have you got in your hand? What has God given you that will produce a miracle in your situation, in your circumstance? You know, there is enough Holy Spirit anointing in this house this morning to change your life, to change your family, to change the city, to start a revival that could change our nation. It's not nothing. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's the same Spirit that hovered over the world and brought life. It's the same Spirit that went out and created the universe. It's the Holy Spirit, but we look at it as nothing. We don't realize the potential of the Spirit of God that is within us and the potential of the Spirit of God that's in this room this morning. In the case of the widow, 
The oil wasn't the problem. She had a flask of oil there waiting. She had a seed for her miracle. The issue was not the oil, and the issue is never the Holy Spirit. God, as he often does, just caused that oil to flow when there was lack. He he just caused that oil just to keep on multiplying and multiplying. The issue in the story wasn't the oil. The issue was that there was an empty vessel that wasn't an empty vessel available to hold the flow of the oil, the blessing that God wanted to give her. Now, the the prophet said, to the three kings in the previous chapter, fill the valley full of ditches and God will fill it. And in this story, the prophet says, if you want a miracle, go and get something that God can pour the oil into. And the woman was obedient. And just like in the previous chapter, she gave God something to work with. It's interesting that the woman determined the magnitude of her miracle, not God. The more vessels that the woman and her sons brought, the more the oil was multiplied. Heaven has an endless supply. God is not limited, God is unlimited. Nothing is impossible to God. The problem is not with God. The problem is usually with us. The only issue in this situation was finding a vessel that he could pour the oil into. And we have the opportunity to be those vessels. God is wanting to fill us to overflowing with his Holy Spirit, but we have to be available, we have to be empty, and we have to be clean. Three criteria for those vessels to be used. The prophet said, borrow all the empty vessels you can, go into your house and shut the door. And when God is looking for a vessel that he can pour his anointing into, a vessel that he can pour his power into, a vessel that he can work miracles through, it requires separation. We have to shut the door on all that stuff that's holding us back and get alone with God because it's in that place of separation that transformation happens. When Jacob, whose name means trickster, was coming back into his inheritance We read how in Genesis 32, he sent his wife, he sent his children, he sent his possessions over across the ford. And when he was alone, he had an encounter with God. And he wrestled with God to the point where God changed his name from Jacob, which means trickster, to Israel. Which means, anyone know? Prince of God. From trickster to prince of God, and it happened in that place of separation. If you want transformation in your, in your life, separate yourself and get alone with God. If you want mir- a miraculous change in your life, get alone with God. Separate yourself. If you want to hear God's voice more clearly, 
if you want to feel God's presence more vitally, if you want to be filled to overflowing with the oil of God's Holy Spirit, shut the door, separate yourself, get alone with God. I'm standing here this morning only because there was a time in my life when I needed to hear specifically from God. I've been offered the opportunity to pastor a church in Rotorua, and I didn't know whether this was the right thing to do. So I decided I would get along with God. I would fast and I would pray. And so I did. And God spoke to me during that day. It was only a day I'd, I'd set aside three days of prayer and fasting. But on the very first day, on the very first morning, God spoke to me through a dream. And the result of that dream is that I ended up coming up to Whangarei rather than going to Rotorua. But it was in that place of separation. It was in that time when I was serious that I wanted to hear from God, that I needed to hear from God, that my future was dependent on that, that I separated myself, got alone, and God spoke to me. Often, it's the place of desperation that determines our priorities. If God isn't your priority this morning, it's probably because you're not desperate enough for him. As long as there was an empty vessel in that place of separation, the oil kept flowing. God doesn't pour his Holy Spirit out on empty ground. He pours it out into vessels. Imagine if you went shopping at Pack and Save. How many wives, by the way, know that when their husbands go shopping with them, the shopping bill always increases? Yeah, I'm there picking up all the, all the deli bits and pieces that my wife never buys. The bill always goes up. But if you went to pack and slave, you filled your card up with all these, um, all these goodies, and you come to the checkout, you get them all checked through, big bill, you come to the other side, and you've got no bag to put them in. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You're going to have a lot of trips to the car. One or two or three items at a time. It doesn't, doesn't work like that. If I said this morning, who wants some coffee? And you'll put your hands up. And I just got a gun and chomp, 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 coffee over everybody. No, when you want coffee, you expect it to come in a cup. You're sitting at home on a Saturday night. Your wife says, oh, I really like pizza. So you order out the pizza and you, go, you go, get the Domino's guy, comes up to the door, he comes to the door, knocks on the door, you open the door and there he is standing with a pizza in his hand. What would you think? Where's that hand been? Where did he put that pizza when he was driving? No, when you get a pizza, it comes in a box. Now, the box might not be worth much. In fact, I went to Domino's last night and said, I need a pizza box. Uh, will you sell me one? It was worth so much that they gave it to me. The box isn't worth much. But it needs to be available. It needs to be empty. It needs to be clean. Needs to be clean. You know, if you flick the next slide up, you'll see there's a building there. Anyone know what that building is? Have a guess. 
It's the most valuable building in the United States. Fort Knox. What makes that valuable is not where it's, uh, where it's planted. It's not valuable because of the design of the building. It's a pretty useless design, actually. But it's valuable because that building houses the entire gold reserve of the United States government. Billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of gold. What's inside that building causes it to be valuable. What's inside the pizza box causes it to be valuable. What's inside us causes us to be valuable. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthian church, says, hey, we have this treasure, talking about the Holy Spirit, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so the excellency of the power may be seen to be of God and not of us. It's the vessel that is not worth much, but is so necessary to house the power, house the anointing, house the presence of God. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be beautiful. You don't have to be super talented for God to fill you and use you, but you do have to be available and you do have to be empty and you do have to be clean. We can fill our lives up with so many good things, but neglect the really important things in life. I mean, why don't people today have a hunger and a passion for God? Why don't people want more of His Holy Spirit? Why don't people want to be filled to overflowing so that they can impact others? Why do people settle for a nominal, powerless, religious experience when they can know the presence and the power and the anointing of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Creator of the universe. Often, it's because we aren't empty. We're too full of other things. Proverbs 27 verse 7 says, He who is full loathes honey, but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes Sweet. If you've ever done a 10-day or a 12-day fast, you know that at the end of that fast, anything, anything smells great. Anything is just absolutely super, super, super good. doesn't matter whether it's a Vegemite on toast or whatever. It doesn't have to be caught on blue or anything. Anything at that stage will just, oh, it seems wonderful. Why? Because you're hungry. What that verse means is that when your soul is filled with all kinds of other things, uh, then when God brings the sweet honey of his presence and his person we won't be craving after it because we're already full of stuff. What you, your soul is filled with is going to determine how hungry you are. My grandson, my four-year-old, nearly five, Ezra, 
And I often, he'll go to my fridge, open it up and say, Poppy, let's have a cheese party. <laughs> you see, we are cheese connoisseurs, this five-year-old and I. And so we get, I've got this special little box, bring it out, and it's got uh, Gouda and Gruyere, it's got smoky bacon, it's got cheddar, it's got um, camembert, and it's got blue vein cheese. And they are all in there, and he gets them out, and we go to the table, and we get out our crackers, and uh, he, he loves them all. And blue vein especially, that is his favorite. He loves blue vein. I gave him a taste for it when he was younger, and it stayed with him. And uh, it's interesting that the things that we get used to when we're young will stay with us for the rest of our lives. He will love blue grain cheese to the day he dies. Uh, when I was brought up, I was brought up with a family that didn't drink coffee, but drunk tea. And the way our tea was, it was um, pretty weak tea with three heaped teaspoons of sugar in that tea. I mean, man, you could just put a stick in there and it would stand up. It was so full of sugar. Anyway, when I got married, <coughs> my wife didn't like that. I don't know whether, I don't know whether you saw uh, on the internet the other day, but um, someone was complaining because they said that... Um, God only had 10 commandments, but his wife had 110 commandments for living in the house. <laughs> and uh, one, of the t one of the 110 commandments that my wife uh, inflicted on me in the early years of our marriage was she, she was trying to get me off the sugar addiction. So um, we started off with three teaspoons of sugar, then we went to two teaspoons of sugar, then we went to one teaspoon of sugar. This was over a couple of months, and then we got it down to a half. Then to, then to one, then a half, then to none, then a half, half, and eventually none. Eventually none. Now, those of you who dish out my cups of tea uh, after the service will know that I have no sugar in my tea, and it's really, 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 really weak. The reality is, <laughs> I've got used to having no sugar now. And I can't stand sugar in tea. That's just so horrible. So absolutely horrible. What I feed on, I hunger after. The things that I fed on when I was a new Christian are still there. My love for the Word of God. When I was a young Christian, I poured out into the Word of God, loved the Word of God read the Word of God, prayed, got into good habits, and they've stayed with me. What you feed on is what you'll become. You don't, if you don't have a desire for God's presence and the Holy Spirit, then you're probably feeding on the wrong things. You know, if you're only meeting with God for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, and that's the extent to which you're feeding on Him, then you're probably not going to be craving Him, especially when, on average, you're probably watching the TV for 20 hours a week. And as you know, Christians aren't the target audience for our TV. And so we're just going to be getting all that stuff which is going to fill our soul, whereas God wants us to fill our soul 
with the Word of God so that we've got a presence and a passion for His presence in our lives. Nothing wrong with TV, by the way. I love TV. I love the sport. Uh, I skip through all the ads. I watch the news. I love because I've had a technical background. and I love all those murder mysteries. They're my favorite, NCIS. Um, oh, one of my favorite shows is finished. And uh, I'm not even going to tell you which one it is. But um, it finished last Tuesday night, I think it was. Castle, you're right. Yeah, that's gone. But I like all that stuff. But the reality is, if I spend more time feeding off the TV than I spend in God's Word and God's presence and praying, where am I going to be filled from? I'm going to be filled from the things on the TV rather than the things in God's Word. So we need to be people who recognize that what we feed on is what we're going to become. And that's where our desire is going to be. So some of you are going to have to stop playing as many computer games as what you're playing. Start feeding on God's Word instead. Start feeding on the Word of God. Every single person here has been created and called to be a vessel that God can fill with His presence and His power and His anointing. But we fill our lives up with just that transient stuff. Satan can't defeat the Holy Spirit. The power of God defeats the enemy every time. In fact, it's a, bit, it's a bit stupid, really. The devil doesn't even have the keys to his own house. Jesus Christ took those when he rose from the dead. But because Satan can't defeat the Holy Spirit, that's why the enemy goes after the box, goes after the vessel, and tries to mess the vessel up He goes after us and tries to stop us from being available. If he can't stop us from being available, he'll try and fill us up with stuff that stops us from taking on more and more and more of the plans and purposes of God. And if he can't do that, he'll try and cause us to become unclean. Jesus came to give us a better life than we can ever dream of. He came to fill us with his presence. He came to fill us with his purposes and his power. And that's why it matters if we don't shut the door and get alone with God. That's why it matters if our soul is filled with other stuff. That's why it matters if we aren't clean before God. We don't have to be perfect, but we do need to be available. We do need to be empty and hungry for God. We do need to be covered and forgiven by Jesus so that we are clean before our God. Satan wants us to become a container of trash, whereas God wants us to be treasure troves. As a pastor, I never really feel comfortable with the responsibilities that God has entrusted to me. But my testimony is that there was a day when I shut the door on my past, and God emptied me out and cleaned me up and he filled me with, my, with his Holy Spirit and my life has never been the same again. You know, God has a dream that he wants to dream through you. He wants to fill you to overflowing. He wants to use you right where you are to extend his kingdom. God doesn't need superstars. He needs people who are available to be his vessels. People who will say, here am I, God, use me. Nothing, nothing satisfies 
like a life lived full of the empowering presence of God. And we can be the vessel. We can be filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit. We can be the ones who God will flow through, who can set widows free, who can break chains of bondage that uh, the enemy has put on people. We can be the ones who can protect the next generation. We can be the vessels that God will work out his plans and purposes through. In fact, the prophet Joel prophesied it. The apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2 confirmed it, that in the last days there would arise men and women to whom God could pour out his spirit on and reveal his plans and his purposes and his dreams. Men and women so possessed and filled with the Holy Spirit with that sense of destiny, with that sense of purpose that neither people or circumstances could destroy or prevent them from fulfilling the dreams and the plans and the purposes that God had placed within them. We are living in those last days. We are the generation that Joel and Peter were speaking of. We are the ones who are God's chosen vessels that he wants to fill to overflowing with his spirit, that he wants to impact our generations, but we have to be available, we have to be empty, and we have to be clean. The Holy Spirit is looking for vessels to share his messages through. The Holy Spirit is looking for vessels who will take his love and acceptance and his forgiveness out into our neighbors and friends. The Holy Spirit is looking for vessels that he can fill to overflowing and offering, often, often it's the hungry and the thirsty that Jesus said will be filled. Let's have the musicians. Isaiah said, in one of the worst years of his life, when King Uzziah died, and King Uzziah started off as a great and godly king, but he got ahead of himself. Pride took over. He usurped the authority of the priests, tried to offer offerings when he wasn't supposed to offer those offerings. He was struck down and he died. Israel was left in turmoil. But in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, in the year that all of this stuff was happening, I saw the Lord. And by the way, I guarantee that Isaiah wasn't sitting in front of his television set when he saw the Lord. He got alone. He got alone with God. And God met him. And he had this amazing vision. He saw God sitting on a throne. He saw the train filling the temple of God. He saw seraphim. He saw angels. He saw the congregations just singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. But as he saw God, as he had an encounter with God, his own human frailty came to the fore and he knew that he was a sinner. He knew that he was unclean. And in the presence of God, we see ourselves as we are. And Isaiah cries out to God and God forgives him. God cleanses him and God enables him to stand before him free and then when God says 
Who can I send? Who will go on my behalf? Isaiah is able to say, here am I, God. Send me. You know, this morning, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us very, very simply. He's looking for vessels. He's looking for people that He can pour His Holy Spirit out into. All He needs is people who would be available, people who would be empty because they want more of God, They're not satisfied with where they are at. And people who are prepared to remain clean by the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, you can be the vessel. You can be the one that God will breathe on. Why don't you all stand with me? I want the ministry team just to come this morning to stand on the front and I'm just going to open up this altar call to anyone who wants to rededicate their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone who wants to say this morning, God, I'm available. Pour out your Holy Spirit on me. You may never ever have been filled with the Holy Spirit before. Why don't you start? And cry out to God and see what He will do. I was alone when the Holy Spirit came on me. I was in that place of separation when He filled me to overflowing. No one laid hands on me, but it was my desire for more of Him that caused Him just to open up heaven's door and pour out His Spirit on me. And that can be your experience as well. You can be touched by the Holy Spirit here. I always find, though, that when the Holy Spirit is moving, that's the time to respond. When the Holy Spirit is drawing people, that's the time to respond. That's the time to get into the river of God's presence when God is moving. If that's you this morning, why don't you just come forward? And let's see what God will do. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to come. I want to lay our hands on people this morning because I want people to get an extra dose of the Holy Spirit. I want people to be filled to overflowing. I want people to be touched. I want people to be healed. I want people to be restored. I want to see people get hungry for God. I want to see people reaching out and saying, God, I want more of you. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I want people who want to do business with God, who are serious with God, who want to put their priorities in the right way because they're desperate. They're desperate for a fresh encounter with God. They're not satisfied with what's going on in their life. 
They're not satisfied with just coming to church for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, but they actually want to meet with God. They actually want His presence. They actually want His power in their lives. And they actually want to be carriers of the oil. They actually want to be a blessing to other people. They actually want to be filled to overflowing, not just so that God can bless them, but so that they can be a blessing to others. If that's you this morning, why don't you just come? Just as a simple act of saying, God, here am I, use me.